The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I am James Anderson. Uh, we are brought to you by WinBet as always, and I'm happy to be joined by my good friend, Chris Welsh, who's out there in Arizona. Uh, we will be previewing the Arizona Fall League, which will be getting underway tomorrow, Wednesday, and hopefully this will just serve as a, as a great um, way to kind of give everyone who's going out there for the first pitch Arizona conference an, an idea of who they're going to be seeing and stuff like that. Obviously, prospect junkies know about these guys, um, but Welsh is out there. I mean, it's going to be a fun episode. Uh, I know you've been seeing guys playing already, um, just kind of working on things. Dustin Harris, possibly, was someone you saw last night. So how are things going, man? What have you been up to? James, what's up, buddy? Uh, Yeah, I've been hitting Instructs. Instructs is out here. Not all accessible, uh, but the Rangers have been particularly accessible and yeah, man, I've been soaking in baseball. Weather's getting perfect. I can rock a hoodie in Arizona for a couple days, and then it'll get hot again. But um, mostly I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss that you won't be out here. That it's The one interesting thing with um, the first pitch, first pitch conference is usually it's like later into fall. So I'll usually get a good month head start on everybody, you know, to share all the stuff and get all get all the love and the accolades and everything. But everybody will be out here day one. We'll all be kind of kind of doing that for a couple of days. But uh, I'm excited to get at it, man. The Fall League guys are starting to roll in. Like, here's an interesting note for you. I was over at the Rangers yesterday and was seeing you know, George Valera, uh, Brian Rocchio, uh, Dustin Harris, like you said, and... The Folly guys, Surprise has a team, and they're training over there, and some of the guys are looming around, and Sam Huff was there, and it was announced. So this is the type of stuff to start to think about what happens at the Fall League. One of the first positional announcements we got was that Sam Huff was listed as a catcher, but will not catch in the Fall League. And a lot of people started to kind of run with that. Like, oh, you know, because I, I don't actually think he's a catcher from seeing him multiple times. Um I mean, it just, it hasn't worked. So they said he's not going to play catcher. So I think everybody read into that. Well, yesterday I'm down there and he was like after practice of fall league practice, he went over to the Rangers side and he worked for a half an hour on catching drills with the coaches on a side field right next to the main stadium, uh, right next to the main um, complex field. And it's one of those things you realize like, oh yeah, there are some teams that do not want their players doing certain things in the fall league. And the Rangers specifically probably don't want other 
coaches in their head about catching, they want to control it. So he will not catch with whatever coaches the surprise team has, but he's over on the side field exclusively working on catching drills for like over a half an hour. So just a bunch of interesting notes you get at Instructs that I can attach to the fall league. And I'm just trying to share with everybody. Yeah, man, you're the best at it. Uh, it's great having you out there. Uh, you're my eyes and ears for, for everything that's happening in Arizona. Um, the way I wanted to do this pod was basically kind of laying out expectations for the noteworthy prospects that are out here, because of that's course, smart. you know, there's, there's a lot of big names, you know, there's a lot of guys that people have heard of, and I just want to make sure everyone is sort of going in expecting, um, kind of what they should expect with some of these players, because I mean, we're going to get to this a little bit later, but I, I honestly think they, that a lot of players were sent here, um, as a, as a really strong test and a test that they probably aren't going to pass necessarily. And only, you know, th- there's, there's a plenty of guys who are going to have uh, good fall leagues and some of the guys are going to even surprise and have better fall leagues than I'm expecting. But I wanted to start like with just the hitters who I think are primed to have really strong Arizona fall leagues, whether it be just based on skill or, um, advancement i mean these guys the guys we're going to talk about are mostly guys who've gotten to triple a already and so you, you have guys that are getting assigned to the fall league from high a maybe guys who didn't even have success at high a are going to the fall league but then you also have these guys uh the three that we're going to talk about first who made it up to triple a and had success at triple a and are top you know 25 ish prospects uh, and, and, you know, let me throw in with you as well, because it, it's interesting what you're bringing up and it's important to manage expectations with the Arizona Fall League because the Fall League can do lots of stuff. And, you know, you're going to have like a barrage of prospect and baseball people that are going to be here for the next three days. And you are going to get some instant wild reactions because the Fall League early on. It, first, I can tell you, it just is not good pitching. There's not good pitching here. There's like one team that's got a decent staff. It's it's older pitching, a lot of relief pitching. I think it's going to get hit up pretty decently unless some of the young guys get taken care of. So I think you're going to get a lot of overreactions. But the important thing, and you know this as well, is like there are there are many shades of gray with the Fall League because there are players that had horrible years that came in and really turned their prospect status around. Royce Lewis did that, then unfortunately got hurt. Um, There are guys that struggle and really are true strugglers, like Forrest Whitley. You know, Forrest Whitley gave us signs because he was in the Fall League for multiple years. And then, but there's also the guys that, you know, sometimes you get a few a few skill sets that work really well to the fall league on a talent that we're not hundred percent sure about. And then we go in on like Jared Oliva was an example, like physically very exciting, smart guy can run. He could hit balls in BP and it just never worked, but he killed it out here in the fall league. So you're going to get a lot of those type of guys. It's a hitter friendly place. You're going to see a lot of high performances. You need to know how to put it in check. But also, if you see some struggles, it's not the end of the world. I remember the first time I ever covered the fall league, like really, was in 2016. And Alex Verdugo was out here. And like Verdugo had some like, there's some like personality cork thing that happened. He had the worst fall league out here. He hit like 108 and he got sent home. And I was like, boy, you know, this is my first run into it. I'm like, this Alex Verdugo kid, I got to get off it. And look at him now. You know, Alex Verdugo is absolutely legit. So managing expectations and knowing how to, like, interpret what happens here is super, super important. I just wanted to add that to you. 
Yeah, I mean, Jonathan India is a guy that I was totally. basically came off of um, because of how bad he looked in the fall league a couple of years ago. Um, so uh, the three hitters I wanted to talk about first, uh, Spencer Torkelson, Tristan Casas, and Nolan Gorman. Uh, top 25 prospects, uh, at, well, top 30, but probably top 25 prospects. Uh, all guys that made it to AAA, um, all infielders. I mean, do you do you see one of these guys as being primed um, to maybe be the the fall league MVP or, or something close to that? Is there someone else that you would throw into this mix? Because to me, these three hitters, like if I'm just kind of doing a fantasy draft of who's going to perform the best in the Arizona fall league, I think these three would be uh, my first three picks on the hitting side. I agree. I actually did. I, I you know, it's funny. I was actually going to hit you up about us doing like, cause you know, you won't be there and there won't be a Paul stars. Our boy, Paul Spore won't be able to do his Paul stars roster that we should be doing like a, um, like a best ball draft. I ended up do- doing one with my uh, Patreon people. I agree though. I would, I would have added one person in is I think Riley green would have been potentially the MVP of this league had he not been sent home. If, if people saw he was here, he was going to be here, but he suffered a concussion on the second and it took him out. And and this is like a classic fall league thing. It happens every single year. There's like this incredible prospect that ends up getting scratched. Last uh, 2019, it was Dylan Carlson. And year before that, it was Sixto Sanchez. And it always happens. But I would have said Riley Green because Riley Green was such a good doubles contact hitter. And um, Salt River Fields is just a really hitter-friendly park. You know, it's just, it's got that big green backdrop and, uh hitters i mean i always think of david bodie who is actually doing pretty well i was on the field with david bodie he was just crushing homers and me and him watched a homer of his on that i had filmed and it was just like this is a place that people really built into uh really solid contact so i would come back to that saying that you know it would have been riley green but i gotta go i gotta go the cheap shot with spencer torkelson i think spencer this is his hometown um i think he's gonna absolutely dominate here you know a lot of these parks are really like pull pull easy places uh, nolan gorman i think in glendale it's kind of a shorter little porch over on the pull side that he's going to crush balls probably out of the stadium i mean you know 390 400 is probably going to get it out of there i think gorman's going to do well i mean i think all i think you picked a fantastic crew of players um casas is going to be in scottsdale which has got a couple few deeper holes but I think Torque is going to absolutely dominate here. Salt River, like I said, the most hitter-friendly spot of any of these, especially from a batter's eye perspective. I think he's going to dominate, and he's just going to not like get too far into himself. He's not going to get crazy fooled. You're going to have some pitchers that are working on stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Tor- Torque would be my number one pick had I had the number one pick. Yeah, I totally agree. And, I mean, I, I do kind of want to say on, on these three guys um, – there's like you said, man, there's going to be just so much hype, especially with the, the first pitch conference. Like there's going to be a game where 10 guys are there with like their camera and their Twitter and everything. And like somebody is going to just hit a, a moonshot. Everyone's going to go crazy. Everyone's going to post oh. it. Everyone's going to start freaking out. Um, and I really kind of want to say with those three guys, like I'm expecting them to have strong showings. So like if Spencer Torkelson goes and hits like 320, 420, 560 in the AFL, that doesn't mean that now he's like better than Bobby Witt to no. me. Like that just means he kind of did what he was supposed to do is basically what I want to say. hundred percent. I, I might be a little worried if he, if he continued those like first early struggles again, I wouldn't love that. Yeah, if, no, totally. If, 
Yeah, because he like struggled in spring training, st- struggled at the beginning of the minor league season. I'd love to see him not struggle again, but I totally agree. Like to be honest with you, him hitting four hundred isn't going to do much for me. It's like, no. oh hey, guess what? One of the best prospects in baseball is destroying these leagues. Uh, I, I do think the MVP of this league might not be on this list though as well, because not that all these guys can't hit for high average, but we've seen the MVPs of these leagues have actually been kind of the. Um, kind of like twitchier, hard contact, middle infield, like Royce Lewis, Keston Hira, those type of like high contact guys. So I actually think like a, you know, Nick Gonzalez or something like that is someone that could end up being one of the guys. Let's get to, so I have some long shots. I I listed these guys as long shots for best hitter. And the reason I didn't, I didn't have a twitchier guy in that top three is because I just don't think there is a guy who's as advanced as those three who I think is ready to have like a big time showing. Um, Nick Gonzalez was the first guy I listed though as a long shot. The reason why I think he's a long shot and I'll even kind of group uh, Joey Weimer um, and Curtis Mead in here as well. Cause these are three guys who did not get to the upper levels this year, but had big time success at high a and yeah. Gonzalez and Weimer, like especially just the way they finished the year, like, I mean, you couldn't have been hotter than those two guys, but as we've seen many times, I mean, the jump from high A to double A is huge. Those guys haven't made that jump yet. The jump from double A to triple A isn't as big, but at least those three guys we touched on first, you know, they've made those progressions. The fall league is often said to be like a finishing school for the first two guys we talked about. It is going to be a finishing school. We're going to see them in the majors next year. For Nick Gonzalez, he's over a year away. So that's why I put him in a long shot, though. He does have the skill to absolutely uh, go on a tear. Yeah, it's a really good point, too. Yeah, you know, and, and I kind of glossed over Casas. Here's what's interesting about just to come back to that, and then I'll come back to Gonzalez. Casas actually might be the – he actually might be a front runner if you really think about it logically. He's probably the best combo of those three guys, of the top guys. Like, Torque has got this just incredible power, really good pull heavy, doesn't like to get fooled. Um, Gorman, I think, is a little bit more open swing. He's got ridiculous raw power, but I, I could see him hitting 250 here or, you know, half the time hitting 200. But Costas is one of those guys, like, he's just not going to get beat. He's a high average guy, rocket, rocket power. Uh, he can play multiple positions. He actually might be like an MVP candidate as well because the key is is hitting for high average in the AFL. It's not just homers because Greg Dykeman, who's now with the Cubs, he had like 10 homers when he was hit. Like at the Fall Stars break, he had like nine homers at that time, and he wasn't being considered. It's a really good point on like Weimer and Gonzalez and Meade because they're far off. And you do get the finishing element of it again think of the mvps that have been in this league i think it was like labor torres and you've had roy actually it's typically been middle infielders but royce lewis and keston they've all been pretty close where you're right nick and them are not nick has a chance which i'll be really interested to see because i've seen a decent amount of him he's got the like gonzalez is the one i think all the prospect guys here everyone could lose their mind about that haven't watched nick gonzalez because his bat speed everyone what like if you don't like the word bat speed, mute it in Twitter immediately because I think when people see Nick Gonzalez and they see the bat speed and if he gets a hold of something early, you're going to see people put Nick Gonzalez top 10 overall. There, yeah. There's going to be a lot of mic dropped like he's yeah. in the top 15, like, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Exactly. Hey, guess what? Top 10. <laughs> what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Uh, and he's got big power and uh, I think he'll play some more second base. But Nick can also get really fooled by like, 
high, high fastball stuff. And if he can't catch up on the bat speed, so I actually think he could get taken advantage of, but yeah, all those guys, you're right. Like they're just not finished enough that I do think they are bigger long shots than, than one name that you do have on this list. And then like with those three, like Gonzalez, Weimer and Mead, if any of those three go out there and struggle and say strike out too much, which especially Weimer. Yeah. I mean, just don't freak out. Like, I, you know, I, I think I don't expect those guys to really struggle um, just because of how strong they, they all finish the year. But it shouldn't just be like, a, whoa, why didn't Nick Gonzalez like hit for a higher average in the fall league? You know, because, I mean, he didn't even play double A this year. Um, yeah, yeah, there's almost like lines you've got to take with these type of things. It's like if a guy in 80 at bats hits like. 240 or something like don't freak out like don't freak out but you know if they hit like a buck 90 like eh, that's a little concerning if they're striking out or something like that because the pitching's so bad but hey, it's also it's older pitching that's here that's the other weird thing it's older more advanced pitching than i i think i've recalled though there's no star power doesn't mean these guys could get taken advantage of a little bit early on and so these next two names that you alluded to that i have in this long shot for best hitter candidates are more advanced, um, are less sexy, I think, for fantasy. Bryson totally. Stott, uh, a first-round pick for the Phillies. Uh, Juan Yapez, a guy that you've been on uh, for a while in the Cardinals system. You know, Stott has a very clear path to playing time in the near future. Uh, he probably debuts next season, but does he have the loudest tools? You know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, maybe it's just a hit tool, power comes, that type of thing. With Yapez... You have the problem of where does this guy profile defensively if he has to play DH when the DH comes to the National League? Can he hit enough to profile at DH? What are, what are your thoughts on those two guys? Yeah, well, Stott's the one I was alluding to. I think Stott could really, really bomb out here. And he's a guy that people could fall in love with. He hit 299 this past season, was a double-digit homer stolen base guy. They could move him around. Here's another thing that I think could happen based on um, what was their roster. I need to go back to it and find it. Uh, it this is a Peoria one. I was taking a look at their roster, and I th- and this is just me guessing, by the way. There's no guarantee that's going to happen. But this roster stacked. That's got Nick Gonzalez. We haven't even talked about C.J. Abrams, uh, Juan Juan Bay, Jiwan uh, Bay. I mean. Um, they've got Iggy Rosario, Luke Waddell. They've got a bunch of these middle infield guys. They don't have lockdown third baseman on this team. And I think you could see Stott playing some third base over there. And the position eligibility would be good. I think his bat is primed for this place. He may not hit a bunch of homers, but I, I think Stott could be like a 390 hitter here with three or four homers, two or three stolen bases, hitting the middle of the lineup. He's a guy that I think could really, really hit here because because he is more of an advanced hitter. He's older, more advanced hitter, not going to be getting fooled too much and adding position eligibility. I, I feel like he's a guy that could, people could fall in love with. So he would be probably actually my favorite long shot in, in, in your list of long shots. I would say Stott and then Gonzalez. And if you look at the Phillies depth chart, I mean, you got the DH coming next year. So that'll be where Reese Hoskins plays Alec Bohm. I mean, he probably gets another shot and he'll move over to first base. So that, that third base slot could be wide open for Stott. Wouldn't it be great if I could like, I mean, I don't think I'll be doing any interviewing this round, unfortunately, of players, but wouldn't it be great if I could get him and he was just like the polar opposite of Bohm <laughs> when I interviewed Bohm, like it was just the most awkward. You, you were the first person I, I think I may have texted you or immediately went to find you after I did my interview in 2019 with Bohm. I'm like, you're going to hate him. Well, <laughs> like, he, you're going to hate him. The funny thing about that is uh, he was also, I think he was on like a, a Sirius XM 
channel i don't think it was our show but um he did an interview on there too where they made us like play a clip coming out of a commercial break and he just he sounded exactly like you uh described so yeah no i actually that that (laughs) interview was actually made famous a little bit i can't tell the people but someone told me about that interview after the fact where it's like it was a little teeth pulling so i was just thinking how funny would it be if stotch is like the complete opposite or if there's a phillies thing in there but yeah no i mean stot is going to be the not sexy underrated player that people will want to watch out for and yapez is yapez is just super fascinating he's got big power he's got a beautiful swing pretty good patience that i think if he gets enough playing time i think he could put up some bit he's one of those guys we could look put big numbers on i do worry i could fall too much in love with yeah if he dominates here i don't want to i want to be patient and not go too nuts i I have a feeling some people are going to get a little carried away with him just because I do expect him to have success there. It's really set up for him. Yeah. He, he spent the whole year at, at AAA for the most part and had success. So, I mean, I, I think he's going to have a, a good statistical showing uh, at, at the very least. Um, as you mentioned, I mean, pitching is not uh, the strength of the fall league. Um, no. <laughs> so to say the least, yeah, to say the least. Um, now there are a couple guys that I think are, are the clear, you know, you want to have, you know, some video of these guys. If you're there, you want to maybe try to find these guys starts if you're out there and you can, and you can swing it at, at first pitch Arizona. And that's Rowency Contreras and Bobby Miller. Oh yeah. I totally uh, agree. Contreras of the pirates, Miller of the Dodgers. Now Contreras, I mean, he showed out, uh, he got a tiny taste of the big leagues, uh, at the end of the season. And I mean, he looked very impressive. I think he's going to be a, a very trendy guy, uh, for redraft next year. Bobby Miller was a guy that I was really worried about in the middle of the season because he was out with an arm injury, but then he came back and was just dominant. So I think like we can kind of put that in the rearview mirror with him. Do you have a favorite out of these two guys in terms of which guy, like who, who's going to get the most buzz, um, based on their their AFL showing this year. Oh, I think Contreras by a long shot is going to. I personally love Bobby Miller. I have Miller over Contreras, and I've had Miller like inside the top 100 for quite some time. I lo- I, I've just been talking about him from day one. He was the pitcher, if people remember, you know, the two, what was it, the two broadcasts we got of, of uh, the uh, alt site during quarantine one was the Dodgers. I think the Reds, well, the Red Sox were doing some broadcasting on YouTube and then the Dodgers did one, a Bobby Miller pitch. And there I was like, man, fall in love with this kid. Multiple pitches, strike zone presence, gets gets K's. I just think he's going to do his work here and he's going to be fantastic. He'll be in his home ballpark too, that he's very, very familiar with at Camelback Ranch. But Contreras to me is the guy to watch. Um, you know, I, I like for me personally, I really want to get eyes on him because he's kind of got that like short pitcher man thing. It, it, you know, it, again, I've cited this four gajillion times, but you know, you, me, you know, three years ago, sitting behind home plate watching JP Bukowski's pitch. And I was specifically asking Eno about what the track record is on like six foot and under pitchers maintaining as starters. And then funny enough, Bukowski's is now a clear cut uh, relief pitcher that. Contreras, there was nobody more dominant to start the minor league season this year than Contreras. As a pitch. I don't think he gave up an earned run for like 35 innings or 50. I don't even remember what it was. He was absolutely insane. He's had a little bit of taste of the majors. Um, the Yankees are just developing prospects at a next level, and the Pirates are benefiting from it. And I want to see Contreras. I think he's going to dominate out here. 
And he he's the guy that I think is going to get some nutso buzz, especially if he does find success and, you know, just really good fastball. You locate the fastball here. You got a lot of these guys know there's scouts out here. There's teams. Players know that there's tra their trade bait potentially. There's 40, uh, 40 man roster implications. Like guys are out here to turn and burn on pitches and Contreras, I think can take advantage of that. So I think he is like the clear cut guy of fun to watch, want to watch and success. All right. And then I have two guys in the long shots um, for best pitcher. And the first one is a favorite of mine, Landon Knack. Uh, he's with the Dodgers as well. I mean, the, the, in my opinion, the Dodgers sent two of the three best, current starting pitchers to to the AFL. Should have just sent Beater. I saw Beater at Instructs a couple days ago. He's rocking a nice mustache. Send him and just get the whole crew out there. Well, yeah, and and I mean Knack, I I think Knack is going to be a pretty trendy name after the AFL because like I've always sort of thought of him as sort of George Kirby light uh in that he was basically the best strike thrower in his draft class, added a little velo when he got into pro ball. Now he's got the pitch mix. He's got the command. Obviously, the Dodgers know what they're doing. Um, they have guys like Beater um, who have, you know, maybe better pure stuff. Uh, obviously, Bobby Miller has maybe better pure stuff. Ryan Pepio, maybe better pure stuff. But I think Landon Knack, he checks all the boxes as a starting pitcher to me. I don't, I do not see them moving him into a relief role. So I think if he throws strikes and has success, uh, he'll get a ton of buzz. And then Cole Henry with the Nationals, kind of like Bobby Miller, dealt with an arm injury in the middle of the summer, but then he came back and was basically unhittable over his last like five or six outings. And so that's kind of what I'm looking for when I'm looking at like, well, which which pitchers are going to have success in the AFL? There's some other guys that, that I'm going to touch on later who I do not think are going to have success. Yeah. But but based There's a on, clear cut name you're not mentioning yeah, that we'll talk yeah. about. Which but I, agree but I mean, when when a guy is just unhittable down the stretch, Obviously, they're healthy. Obviously, that they've got an idea what they're doing, and that that was Cole Henry. So, like he, from an experience That's standpoint, does not seem ready um, to to maybe come out here and and have success. But I think from a how he pitched down the stretch stretch and just pure stuff standpoint he might be ready yeah that's my that's kind of the guy I'm, I'm i might be second most excited about like bobby miller is like my, i think my number one pitcher that is like out here on my ranks but you know i haven't had in-person visuals on Contreras or cole henry and i think again cole henry one of those guys just big fastball curveball combination that's going to come out here can slice and dice uh the thing i'm the thing that gets me worried about any of these guys, I suppose, is if they start to get locked into, and this and this is why you've got to be careful about these pitchers, is if they start to get locked into working on something. You know, they're they're changing a delivery or they're trying to work on a, a third pitch that they really want to be dominant, and they stop throwing something else, and people are reading in, they're like, hey, by the way, why is Cole Henry, you know? throwing more uh less curveballs now and all of a sudden he's throwing a splitter you know whatever it is like you got to be a little bit careful about that but yeah cole henry is number two i mean unfortunately you've listed literally all the pitchers that you want to see i mean <laughs> th there's like a couple strugglers that i think you want to yeah. see just you know for driving by a car wreck type of thing or to see what it's about but like henry knack Contreras, bobby miller if you check those boxes off you did well and those are all you know, to the credit of you picking these guys, I think they're all guys that are uh, in for a little bit of boost because the funny thing is 
Not one single one of them is a sexy name. There's no, you know, Grayson Rodriguez in that mm -hmm. list. You know, there's no gore in that list. They're not sexy names. They're all going to boost up, though. And and the fact that we just listed the four guys you want to see, there. I mean, there's a, how many pitchers? Like 100 pitchers? I know. <laughs> there's so we've, many we've of them. We've listed the four pitchers you want to see. So if you're out there for first pitch Arizona and you happen to be at a game, and one of these four guys is starting for one of the two teams, you should consider yourself extremely fortunate. <laughs> yeah, I'll be, and I'll be at, uh, I'm going to be both games on Wednesday here. And I think they, they always do the schedule weird. I'm really hoping you've got Salt River Peoria, which that has the potential to be Contreras. And I'm not sure. I think Contreras could be pitching on Wednesday. I'll most likely, James, at least for everybody listening that cares, Contreras should be pitching the first two days and I'll probably get video and be able to see him. But yeah, get, make sure that you're watching, uh, get, go, you know, targeting Contreras, Knack, Miller, you know, at least get half of those guys when you're here. If you're All here. right. We got to head to a quick break to hear a message from our sponsors. But when we come back, we're going to touch on some breakout hitter candidates. Uh, that'll be next with the Welsh. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions and even more so making the right decision. Listen up, folks. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor of Rotowire's fantasy podcasts. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down on blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all Rotowire listeners risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. 
WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. All right, we are back. And, you know, we talked about some guys who are, might break out or might kind of see their stock rise a little bit with a strong performance. Uh, but I want to talk about some guys that, like, there might be people going to the first pitch conference who have never heard of some of these guys. And I think that they are, uh, in some cases, primed for for maybe a, a strong showing, or at least they could have a strong showing and really kind of put themselves on the map. So is there anyone in here that you want to hit on first? Uh, or should I should I pick someone? Well, I mean, I think the guy you have as number one is clear ahead of the of these guys as my number one, Ryan Creedler uh, with the Tigers. He is super fascinating to me. He was kind of a late jump later this season jump in guy who had a nice power speed combo, uh, was hitting the ball really well. And I agree of the because you got a couple so you got a couple like older-ish prospects in here. You've also got a couple guys that have been around forever. So, like, Ryan Creedler is probably number one. The other guy that jumps out, and get your thoughts on it, is Iggy Rosario, who I, I got, like... I'm amazed this kid is 22 years old because I haven't seen him for like four years. He's been with the Padres. He's been here forever. And he's actually coming off of a, a really solid season. Uh, 12 homers, 30 stolen bases, hitting 281. And he did it at double A. And he's only 22 years old. But the problem is he's been in their system since 2016. So it feels weird. He's a shorter guy. He's thick. They list him at 150. But I don't know, man. He might be like a buck 80. He's a thick dude. Uh, always made good contact. But he started developing into power uh, first year he hit double digit homers he stole second highest career uh, stolen bases this year this is one of those guys who'll be playing in his home park at peoria iggy and creedler i think are the most interesting of the uh maybe you've never heard of names yeah so i mean creedler like i i've i haven't really been a fan of a lot of the uh middle infield prospects that have come up uh in detroit and I think it's just kind of wide open for him. Like, you know, he has very impressive power. Uh, that's, that's kind of the first thing that jumps out to me when, when I watch him, like it's, it's a, a tool that is really kind of blossoming and, you know, he's, he's another one of these guys who played better. Like this has been a big theme for me this year. A lot of guys have better numbers at AAA than they did at AA this year. And he, he falls into that bin, um, so yeah, I mean, I think if, if he is a strong showing, you could be talking about him as someone who spends most of next year in the big leagues, uh, Rosario, he's just been a tough guy for me to kind of figure out what to do with because well, you look at him, you're like, what do you do with him? He's like five yeah. foot nine. Where does he play? How consistent is he? I totally agree. It just clicked a lot this year. Yeah. Like he has tools, but he just gives off that utility player vibe. Oh. Um, so it's, it's just, it's tough. You know to... what though? This list is a lot of utility player guys. Like um, Carlos Cortez is another one of those with the Mets. He's just one of those smaller guys that like here, here's the, you want to know, I mean, you want to talk about thick. <laughs> yeah. You want to talk about, but you want to, you want to know what the recipe for, you know, people that love baseball that have a couple drinks in them are seeing the top prospects in the game to like lose their mind about is get a sub five foot 10 guy hit a moonshot and you're done. And everybody like, he's one of those guys. If, if you see like Cortez or Iggy hit a homer, people are going to freak out and be like, what, what is this? This is going like, but there, but there's so many of these like utility players. The other guy, uh, I'm going to pre-write an article for everybody. Okay. Get ready because you are going to get at least two to three articles from Buddy Kennedy 
on his relationship with Mike Trout. There's going to be like an athletic article. There's going to be a feature about how he trains with Mike Trout. That'll just be this big storyline. And he's just okay. You know, he's okay. He's not Mike Trout. Everybody wants him to be because they're Jersey kids and they train together. And he's just kind of like a thick dude, kind of like Trout. But he's just smaller. He makes okay contact. He doesn't do anything exceptional. Um, there's not a lot of exception out of this. There's like a everybody on this list you have from... Buddy Kennedy to Nelson Velasquez, there's a tool, but there's not a set of tools. And if they shined their tool in the fall league, people are going to kind of get fooled a little bit, not realizing like, oh, this isn't a complete player. This is just a fun thing that's happening. Yeah. So I want to quickly hit on uh, all these guys, like Brendan Donovan to me, like I, I think I'm higher on him than you are. I mean, I, the, the only tough thing is there's just, there's really nowhere for him to play. Um, but I mean, he's an infield, he's a classic kind of Cardinals infielder. Who's a little bit older, has a really strong hit tool, uh, really worked the zone. Didn't, didn't hit for a ton of power, but he did hit 10 home runs, yeah. actually he hit 12 home 12. runs, yeah. stole some bases. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, he's, he's just one of these guys who's kind of ready to go. Um, if he, they do have an opening somewhere. Oh yeah. Well, the, the, the tough thing about him, the Cardinals always send out players that find, I mean, they've always had guys that get to the majors. Like they had Lane Thomas, they had, um, Andy young before he got traded. The problem Brendan has is he's taxi squad out here. So he's going to be like, you know, I taxi squad, you're limited to two days. You can't play more than two days a week. And I think you can only play eight total games. So he's just not going to have enough time to really shine. That's a really good thing to point out. Um, and, then, and there's a couple of those guys out here you got to watch for when you look at the rosters, when they're taxi squad, those guys are just going to be limited. And people like people don't realize that they might look and like, oh, my God, Hunter Bishop's out here. This is cool. And then you realize, well, Hunter Bishop is on the taxi squad. He'll probably play like six games like Jordan Alvarez did that in 2017. I think he was out here. It was hilarious. It was him and Fran Mil Reyes on the same team. And Jordan was the taxi squad guy. And it's just he never got to shine. And people love Fran Mil more because you barely saw Jordan. And then uh, Velasquez, who you mentioned with the Cubs, <clears throat> if you could if you could combine his power with Leo Jimenez's hit tool, you'd oh. have uh, a monster. But Velasquez, you know, Velasquez is is one of those guys who, if he hits a moonshot and people get it on video, people are going to go crazy because the the power is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, I'm not writing off the the chance that he makes enough contact to. Uh, be a regular either at dh or in corner um but you know that there are significant hit tool concerns with him the nice thing is the the decks are fairly clear for him in chicago um jimenez like i mentioned he's a, a shortstop with the blue jays who has everything except the power and the power probably isn't coming but you know we'll see how that looks and then uh james outman with the dodgers the dodgers have this thing where they have you know, at, at every single level of the system, they've got a handful of guys who are like two years too old to be at that level and just really just do a ton of damage. Uh, Outman actually has interesting tools. Like he has speed. He's got power. He's a, a good defender, but he hasn't really been at an age appropriate level yet. And then Owen White is my sort of breakout candidate on the pitching side. Uh, he pitched yesterday. I just missed him, by the way. He uh, he was in instructs and Brock Burke, if people remember Brock Burke, he was pitching, but Burke ended up going six. He was only supposed to go five. And then Owen White came in in replacement. So I didn't get to finish uh, seeing the outing, but he did just pitch an instruct. So his next start probably lines up to maybe this weekend. Um, 
you know, what was it, Tuesday? So, yeah, maybe Saturday or Monday he would pitch. Um, so people might miss him. But, yeah, just throwing that out. Yeah, I mean, the, the Rangers have – they've got some pitching on the way. Um, White is in that in that crop of guys. Uh, I believe he was a, a prep guy in the same class as Cole Wynn, uh, where Wynn got the bigger bonus, but White um, was also seen to have a, a bright future. So that sounds I'll, right. I'll be interested to see uh, how he looks. Um, there are four guys that I wanted to hit on. Um, th- you know, we haven't mentioned C.J. Abrams yet. We haven't mentioned Pedro Leone yet. Uh, the reason for that is I'm just I'm not sure what to expect from them from a performance standpoint because uh, Leon did make it back from his injury, but he uh, had just terrible numbers in like 10 games after returning. So probably wasn't quite at 100 percent there. So not sure you know if he's going to be ready to really make a big splash or not, but certainly has the tools to do so. I mean, he's he's got the experience and, and the age on his side. And then Abrams, obviously, we haven't seen him in a, in a long time. So I'm just not sure, you know, if this is going to be a situation where he's knocking off a lot of rust. Uh, do you have a, a, a theory as to how those two will perform out here? Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't want to say it earlier, but like Abrams is another one of those like uh, you I would put into the top, top class of what we talked about, the guys that could be the best hitters here, simply because I didn't think he was going to get a ton of run here. I thought, because he's been coming back from injury, he's been at the complex, I thought he might do what Kyle Lewis did in like 18, I think it was, where or 17, whichever one it was, where he had been coming back from injury, he, he just was around for three weeks, then he played, and then he kind of got hurt, and, and they really tapered it down. But I saw Abrams over at the facility um, a couple weeks ago, like two weeks ago, and he was back in the backfield. I got yelled at by a coach because I was like filming. And then he's just like, hey, man. He's like, can't be filming the practice. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm like, Abrams. And he was back there just doing some drills. And I caught him a little bit after. And I said, are you full go in the fall league? And he's like, he's like, yeah, I'm ready to go. I'm like, oh, okay, wow. And then literally like the next day, he played an instructs out here. And uh, he was right back at it. He was playing. He wasn't just DHing. Like I saw Valeri yesterday. He was DHing. Abrams was out in the field, made a defensive play, started making some contact. Abrams looked so good when I saw him in spring training before he got hurt that to know that he's been here, he's been training, he says he's going to play, and he got into instructs games, I kind of feel pretty confident he's going to be out there pretty consistent because he needs the reps. And if that's the case, he's going to be one of the best players here. Without question, he belongs in here. Leon, I also think, is put in a really good spot because you know you get these guys that are put out here and it can be overwhelming, but he gets to, like, this might be like a little thing, but Cespedes, Yoki Cespedes, a couple Cuban players, you know, they get to bond, they get to be here together. That might be a good thing just to kind of play it easy a little bit. Um, Camelback Ranch, you know, it's a fine park to play in. I'm not 100% sure. I got to tell you, Leon is top three of top players that I need to see and want to see because I've never seen him in person. And, you know, you are higher on him than I am. And there's just so much I want to see from at-bats from him. He is literally top of the list of players I need to see. But if I had to pick one, I would say Abrams. And then I would throw Abrams back into our absolute top list because it really does look like he is going to play a majority of this league. Yeah, no, I I think he plays the games. I just think he is a ways away from having the type of game power to really stack numbers with those top guys. He got big. He did get big. I'll tell you that. He looks thicker. He looks thicker than I've ever seen him before. But you're not wrong. It's just he makes great big contact and, you know, balls can fly out here. Balls can Mm -hmm. fly out here in the winter. 
Yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're totally right. And I mean, Leon, Leon's one of those guys where I am very high on him. My expectations for his AFL stint are very tempered. I should uh, be. I agree with you. You should like, be because he could you know, go either way. I, I could see him, you know, everyone at the end of the AFL is up where I have him. If he just really shows out uh, and he starts looking like a guy that might be ready early next year. I could also see it going the other way with him um, where he's just still got some rust to knock off. Maybe the strikeouts are an issue, something like that. And and people start getting off of him, but uh, hoping for the best, obviously with both those guys, two pitchers who I, you know, Slade Ciccone is a guy that I've been very high on for a long time. I uh, was fearing the absolute worst with him um, when he got shut down with uh, either forearm or elbow injury. So just really a, a great sign that he's even on the roster. Um, yeah. I was I was worried that that could be headed for TJ. So um, very happy that he'll be pitching. And then Abner Uribe, um, a relief pitching prospect all the way in the Brewer system, but no one's going to throw harder than him out there if he is indeed healthy. He's another guy that got shut down uh, like two months ago. And given the fact that he like sits 103, you could only assume that it was going to be something Tommy John uh you know along those lines so just really encouraging that both those guys are healthy enough to even pitch in the league i remember uh this vivid memory of 2016 i remember i was I tweeted at jason collette and yancey because of uh the tampa bay thing but diego castillo was out here and he was uh, pitching for the rays team and i i wasn't familiar with him i didn't know him and this kid comes in and he starts throwing 102. And I was like, what is happening here? Who is this guy, Diego Castillo? It's probably one of my like first tweets, I feel like, back in the day with video of this guy. And th- there's always a couple of those guys. And, you know, early stint dominance is not far behind. You know, advanced hitters, you know, we saw Nate Pearson come in, throw 103 to Pete Alonso, and Pete Alonso take it out of Surprise Stadium during the Fall Star League. So it doesn't mean success. But I agree, you know, you get 103 pinpoint with guys trying to just absolutely murder balls. You might see some really fun success. And you get guys like, you know, Duvall with the Giants, who's really succeeding right now, Fireballer. I think you get a lot of comps in that. And I'm I'm with you on Slade. Like, I'm, I think they might temper how he's treated here, but I am absolutely ecstatic to start watching him pitch because he could be, as much as other guys have passed him, I think Br- Bryce Jarvis is being underrated, but Dre Jamison had a fantastic year. Diamondbacks pitching had a fantastic year brandon fat ryan nelson uh but he could be the best of all of them and health has just taken him back and i'm excited to see him yeah i'll be honest like chicone gonna move up on my rankings just by the fact that he's even pitching like i i was you know if you'd said do you think he is gonna need some sort of surgery based on everything that was kind of coming out i would have said yes so um just happy that he's healthy enough to pitch all right, I want to list off. Uh, I'm going to list off a lot of guys here who I have low expectations for, um, for various reason reasons. These are all guys that you know. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know who they are, uh, at least most of them. Um, and then I want you to tell me which guys you think could have success and maybe surprise me, or which guys you're also very worried about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Marco Luciano, Joe Gray, Hunter Bishop, JJ Bleday. Eriberto Hernandez, Mackenzie Gore, Asa Lacey, Jeter Downs, Ezekiel Tovar, Will Wilson, Patrick Bailey, Carmen Madzinski, uh, Jackson Rutledge, Yolki Cespedes, Jeremiah Jackson, Jacob Amaya, Marco Feliciano. 
So, uh, do I get to? Do you want me to tell you all the guys that I'm also worried about, or just the ones um, that I'm not? How about you just about? maybe just tell me the guys that you're, for whatever reason, maybe you think I'm. Being I might have too, some expectations. Too pessimistic on. And I can, um, I'm happy to expand on why I think these guys are, are all going to struggle. I mean, listen, there's a couple that I'm like, I would just throw in to not answer your question right off the top is like, I think McKenzie Gore is going to be, the, this might be the nail in the coffin for him when he gets out here. Uh, I, I've said it multiple times. I think he's just a relief pitcher now, you know, cause he can dial it up to 96, but it straightens out and 17 year olds out here were crushing balls on him. He's not going to do it with 91 because he's lost spin. It doesn't spin enough, and he doesn't have enough of his secondaries. He doesn't trust them anymore with his command. He's not going to do well out here. He might have a game or two. He had like his, you know, eight, nine strikeout, whatever. Like, nah, dude, when Spencer Torkelson gets a hold of him and a couple of these guys, like, I don't think so. I, I'm not optimistic about him. Uh, and you know what? Even if he dominates, I don't care. I'm not going to change off my stance I, on Gore. I, I feel like you should be, like, freelancing for, like, the San Diego Union Tribune or something because you've been on the Mackenzie Gore beat, it seems, for, yeah. like, two months. And, I mean, you've been given really good updates on him. I think – uh, really good context into like why people should not be because he'll look like he'll go out there and have like a nice line in the ACL and it's like dude like if he went out there and had a bad line that would be news but like even if he were just shoving against these 17 and 18 year olds like who cares and the shoving wasn't good like I, right. I told people and I appreciate you saying that because the context is super important because it's misleading like he's had he hit a he hit a dude in the head uh, with a ball. He had one inning where he completely fell apart. He was given up. It had to be three straight hundred mile exit velocity singles. And this is to like the low, you know, this is to the rookie ball brewers team that he did. Um, he would sit 91 with a little bit of command and then he try to dial it up and it would straight, you know, it's just the context is important. So I'm not optimistic about him. And even if he is, I mean, unless he doesn't give up a single hit strikes out, everybody he doesn't walk anybody. I'm just not going to feel different. I just think people are going to be disappointed and more people will join me on that train, but you know, anything can happen uh, of the guys, you know, I'm not the biggest Ezekiel Tovar guy. I don't like spouse, you know, his amazing prospect prowess and everything like that, like everybody else does. But I do think he has the chance to succeed here. Um, the Salt River team, again, it's that stadium. The Salt River team has had a pretty good job about the the middle infielders they put out there that find good success. And they always pick young guys. Geraldo Perdomo did that. Lots of singles. I think Tovar's going to be out there a whole lot. I don't think they have a lot of other options that they're going to throw at shortstop. So I think he's going to get a lot of at-bats. And I don't think he's going to get high in the order. So he might not get a whole big bunching of the top prospects. I mean, he might. Uh, but I think, you know, I don't think he's going to have a bunch of homers. If people are expecting he's going to be, you know, all oh, these homers are stolen bases. I think he'll steal some bases. I think he's going to just make some good contact. So I have, like, fine expectations on him. Um, I think Cespedes is another one of those guys that, I don't know. I, 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 he could go either way. Like, I just think that huge power might uh, absolutely murder ball some stuff. But um, I don't know if he's going to completely, completely struggle like uh, we saw, like like we saw, like we heard in extended spring training. But I got to tell you, this list. I don't know if I have massive expectations for really any of these guys. Lacey really struggled. Herberto Hernandez. I'm sick of. I don't care about his 110 exit velocity when, you know, he's like almost 22 years old and he right. can't hit high A ball. So I think all of these guys are, are right. Yeah. You know, I mean, like with, with Cespedes, I just kind of feel like there's going to be some, just a lot of non-competitive at bats where he's just 
really up there kind of guessing and trying to trying to ambush uh, a fastball um i mean with a lot of these hitters like if, if you're pitching to most of these guys just throw them breaking balls and and you'll be fine and, um, and see that's going to be the real key is that that's why i think like a guy like cespedes could be all right if that doesn't happen yeah, jeter down you know what let me let me turn this down i think jeter downs his expectation window is so low that I actually think he is going to be someone that's going to turn it around. He was so bad to end the year. He's comfortable with Arizona, knows the parks, a lot of people out here, good defender, huge power. I think he eases stuff up. I think there's a lot of good prospects out there. Hopefully he picks some stuff up. And I actually think he is a guy that his expectations are so low that I think it turns around on him. How about how about Downs versus Blade? in terms of a guys who like came into the year as top 30 ish prospects and just had terrible years are old enough. They should be here. There's no, you know, there's no biographical reason why they shouldn't have success. It's just that they were so bad this year, which of downs or Bladey stock do you think will be higher after the year? Boy, that's really, really tough. I'm going to say downs because I'm worried the swing and miss is too far gone with Blade. He's got light tower power, but also like he doesn't have the positional fun that Jeter does. Jeter can make some highlight real stuff. He can play second. He can play short. He's got a good arm. Uh, he's made really good contact before, and he's a power speed combo. So I think Downs is the guy that has the best opportunity. If Blade hits, if he doesn't hit like 300, I just, I just, I think you're going to move off of him. He's too old at the levels to be struggling like he is. Yeah. And, and just, very quickly, you know, Marco Luciano, Joe Gray, the first two guys I mentioned. Um, I think those guys have probably the highest ceilings on yeah. of these guys I mentioned. It's just, you know, they they went from low A to high A. They hit a wall at high A, expecting them to just really rebound in the AFL. I know the pitching's bad. I mean, they both have just incredible, incredible raw power. So, I mean, they could definitely uh hit some impressive shots out here i just i think the the batting average and strikeouts are gonna be an issue for both those guys but uh, again with all these guys like i'm basically saying if they have really strong showings that's good that's good for their prospect stock that means that you know they're trending in the right direction because don't freak out right exactly like don't like if marco luciano just is terrible in the afl you know it's it's a data point but it's not you know, it's not more important than what he did at high A necessarily. And, you know, it's a lot of these guys, like I expect them to be bad. So it's not going to just diminish their prospect stock if they're bad, but they have a chance to, you know, like if, if JJ Blade goes out there and is like one of the three best hitters in the league, I think that's, that's meaningful. Um, Same thing with downs. I agree with that. Yeah. I don't think gray is going to have that because I think it's you and guys like you and I that have expectations. I don't think many people would just pay enough attention, but like, uh, Luciano does. And I think he'll be mediocre. You know what the best matchup of this whole AFL is going to be is Mackenzie Gore versus Luciano. Cause Luciano cannot hit lefties and Gore just can't get anybody out anymore. That, that is going to be just like my, my absolute number one must see favorite at bat of anything that goes on. But I think actually Luciano might even surprise you a little bit because because I'll bet you, like, what do you, like, you think his stat line was going to be about, like, 230, two homers? Um, like, no, I'll, I'll say I'll say 234 homers and some really impressive homers and 
like uh i don't know um four times as many strikeouts as walks yeah, I mean, that is possible. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you put a good list together. Uh, I think there's a few guys that can beat some expectations, but the point is, is temper your expectations, really with everybody. But these are guys that are probably going to sit in that list where after, you know, Luciano, like you and I both, I didn't give as big of a slap as you did to Luciano. We already both gave the little pre-slap that if he does struggle and people are like, oh, look, you know, here's 33% strikeouts or 35% strikeouts and he hit, you know, 230, you might see him fall out of top 20s. And, he, it, you know, he might be a buy low guy, but I, I've got some more. We both have our worries. What it yeah, is. yeah. I was actually thinking about this the other day. Like, um, I'm, I know I got to let you go here in a second. I, I keep getting higher and higher on, like, Nick York in my head. And oh, I was, like, kind of, com- I was kind of comparing, you know, what Nick York and Luciano both did at high A this year at the same age. I think yeah, that's a that's an interesting one. It's an, it's an interesting, interesting one to think to, about. It's good fun to think about. It's fun to think <laughs> about. I think Luciano is going to prime back, but you know AFL is going to be important. Like I'm really care about his at bats versus lefties is something I want to watch, and I have a lot of context with him and seeing him over the last couple of years. So uh, I will report back. But uh, York versus Luciano, that might be a debate we got to come back to. <clears throat> All right, Chris, I really appreciate it. Uh, before I let you go, why don't you tell people where they can find your work? Yeah, people can check me out on Twitter at Is It The Welsh. I will tweet out AFL stuff, uh, you know, whatever it is, games, stuff like that that I can. My show, Prospect One, one of my mini shows, but Prospect One is what people will care about. Uh, check that out. I will probably this week. I don't think you're going to get player interviews this year because it's pretty wonky and they're doing Zoom ones. And I just don't know how interested I am in that because it's about connecty type of things. But uh, this week with the first pitch conference, I'll probably have a barrage of interviews from uh, analysts out here and takes on different prospects but check it out prospect one and then of course i've got all of my other stuff whether it is you know prospect ranks dynasty ranks uh, my values and stuff on my patreon you can go to in this and it'll take you to patreon.com slash itl army sign up support me i'm an independent venture dude and i'll just be fall league and i'm even wearing my fall league hoodie uh, right now as we're rocking so just be prepared and if you're out in the fall league uh, come up and uh, say what's up to me say hi yeah definitely do the the patreon um prospect one's by far my favorite uh baseball podcast out there uh it's like the only one i listen to regularly so you do you do awesome work um this is uh the the rotowire fantasy baseball podcast i'm james anderson we're brought to you by WinBet. uh we previewed the afl this week next week i'm having another chris on chris blessing from baseball hq to give me some reactions to what he saw when he was out there at the first pitch conference we'll talk to you next week